today on It's Time. The Bible says, focus on Christ, listen to His Spirit, and He will direct it. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, may your Holy Spirit bring your joy to every person listening that we would draw closer to you and that we would know who you are. We know you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And so therefore, God, may we find ourselves in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul the Apostle never had been to the church at Colossae, but he had a genuine concern for them because they were fellow believers. Now, I believe anytime you're around people that believe, you like to find people of the same heart, the same mind. Chapter 2 starts off about the conflict that he had for them. Because he was aware that people are going to come in with bad doctrine and try to knock them off course. This is the way and the purpose of bad doctrine. So in chapter 2, and by the way, chapter 1 is our, our permanent redemption in Jesus Christ. So we have that with him. But when we get into chapter 2, he kind of gets into the bugaboos, if you will, of those things that would take a person's heart away from God. And the first one we find is freedom uh, from enticing words. Um, you know, you always find these different things. I, uh, sometimes late night television is weird. And if you get into Christian late night television, it even gets stranger sometimes. Because they got these ideas where, you know, you use your faith words, you visualize it, you just keep repeating it, and whammo, it becomes yours. Well, that's a danger because, again... I don't want what I want. I want what God wants for me. As Jesus taught the disciples to pray, not my will, but thine be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what truly a Christian is. Here's why. Because what you do for God is going to, first of all, carry an eternal reward. That's great. The Bible tells us, specifically tells us, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Now, I've had a lot of people say, well, I don't care about treasure in heaven. If I just get there by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. Well, let me just tell you, you may not care about rewards today in heaven, but you will be when you get there and you'll be glad you're getting some. So we want to use God's word to show us what pleases God and those things which will carry a reward. That's the first thing. The second thing is your life will be fulfilled. We don't waste our lives on meaningless things. There's a lot of meaningless things we can devote a lot of time and a lot of energy to. And so Paul is writing them and saying, look, it isn't by words to get God to do my thing 
That's freedom from enticing words. The second thing we find, starting in verse 8, is freedom from philosophy. Now, there's a lot of stuff that gets mixed into the church. There's a lot of motivational speaking and, and how to get God to do your thing and all these different things. Dangerous stuff that comes in. Always remember this. It's Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. God begins his work the day we accept him as our Savior. He puts his Holy Spirit into us and begins to refine us. We have the invisible Holy Spirit talking to us, motivating us on what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And so that's why you don't find great motivational chapters in the Bible as far as what you need to be getting out there and doing and what you need to stop doing. The Bible says, focus on Christ, listen to his spirit, and he will direct us. Now, the next thing we find here is he says, and I just want to read this. This is where he left off last week. He said, beware. And whenever you see beware, that means we need to, little ears need to perk up. Lest anyone cheat you. Now, why would somebody want to do that? Why would somebody want to cheat you? Well, there's a couple reasons. The enemy is sly. And he knows that if he can get you to focus on yourself rather than upon God, you'll miss God's calling in your life. That's just the way he works. And so he says, and and by the word, the word in Greek here for cheat is the word kidnap. So don't let the devil kidnap you away from God's best through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, verse 9 is important because almost every religion in the world gets two things messed up. I share this all the time on the radio. I share it all the time in this church. Who Jesus Christ is and eternity. They always seem to get those two. They've got anybody, Jesus being anyone but God. And notice in verse 9, for in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You want to know who the Father is? Look at Jesus Christ. Now that's not saying that Jesus is the Father, but it's saying that Jesus is the express heart image of everything that the Father is. That's why Peter, um, excuse me, when, when Thomas um, said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hand and thrust my hand into his side. That's where the Roman spear went in. Jesus appeared behind locked doors, especially came to Thomas and said, Thomas, here you go. Thomas fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus didn't say, quit swearing and get up. I'm not God. No, he didn't say that. He let him call him God. That's great. That's who Jesus is. Now, verse 10 is important for every one of you to get. If you don't get anything else out of this today, get verse 10. If you like to underline things in your Bible, underline this. This is why. And you are complete. And that word for complete, literally means filled all the way up in him who is the head and principality and power. You are complete in him. Always remember that, friends, because there will be people that will come along and say, you're not complete in him. You got to worship on Saturday. 
You can't eat pork. You gotta wear blue. You gotta sell flowers in airports. You gotta go door to door. You gotta wax your cat. You got, they got a whole list of stuff that they want you to do to be complete. The Bible says you're complete in him right now. Isn't that great to know? I've asked people that come to me and they'll say, well, in order to be a Christian, you, you can accept Christ, but then you have to do something else. No, you're complete in him. Isn't that great to know? That way somebody can't take advantage of you. Somebody say, well, you're, yeah, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but that's not enough. You have to add to it, really? And pretty soon they have you doing all kinds of crazy things. So we find the answer to everything is not in enticing words. It's not in philosophy. Now we move into some new ground. And it's not from the judgment of men or literally legalism. Legalism is what God said in the Old Testament. People say, well, why do we have the Old Testament? It was to show us how bad we needed a Savior. And to show us what God's standard is. God has a standard. You know, that, that, and you know what we all do too. You know, went back when you were dating and, and you had a standard of what you were looking for in, in a mate. If you go car shopping, there's a, a standard that you have, what you're looking for in a car. If there's a house, you're, you're looking for a standard. Well, we need at least three bedrooms and we need this and we need that. Windows in the house are nice. You know, things like that. There's a standard that you have. God has that standard and we have that standard. Notice he says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, but by the circumcision of Christ. The Bible here is telling us that the Old Testament requirements were fulfilled in Jesus. Now you say, Mike, why is that important? And, and why aren't we talking about how I'm just visualizing my new refrigerator and I get it? Well, it's because this is what's important, friends. This is what's going to make the difference in your life. Because it says that the Old Testament showed what God's standard was. And it was symbolic. The circumcision was a symbolic gesture, you might say, of cutting away the flesh so really we could be about our father's business. Well, we recognize that people would take great pride in their works. In fact, you know, many people have asked, why is it that the Jewish people are blind to the calling of Christ so often? Not everyone, but many are. The Bible says there's a veil on them. What is that veil? The veil is that I am righteous because of what I do, not because of who God has made me. That's the big difference. We never approach God by our righteousness. The Bible tells us there's no good thing dwells in the flesh. The Bible says we're all sinners. There's only one righteous, and that was Jesus Christ. And so understanding that, I don't, you don't approach God because God, you know, look at my checklist. Whoa, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And I even went to church and I didn't like it every Sunday. God goes, whoo, I'm impressed. No, 
We approach God because of what Jesus did for us. Again, I always use that illustration as we find in the Bible. We're clothed with his righteousness. We need to be righteous, friends, but we can't do it in ourselves. The Old Testament law was meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. It was never really to justify man. It was to show us, yes, God, I need you. I see what your standard is. I can't match up to it. And so someone came in named Jesus, fulfilled all the requirements of the law, and now I'm found in him. Isn't that great to know? Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgive you of all trespasses. Isn't that great to know? It isn't because I worship on Saturday. It isn't because I worship on Sunday. It's because of what he did for us, period. God's always the initiator, friends. You know, a a lot of times people, that's why the Bible says in uh, Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, the reason why, he's the initiator. He waits for us to open the door. You know, a lot of times people say, well, God, you know, you show me you're real and I'll believe in you. God says, I've already shown you who I am. You know, in fact, if we go to Romans chapter 1, 2, first part of it. It tells us about how, how the hand of God is seen in the things around us. There's a, a natural order that isn't normal. How God makes things work. And this is what he's saying, that we have the in, invisible attributes of God that are clearly seen. That's really kind of an oxymoron that the writer of, writer of Romans uses. Many people believe it's Paul, I do, but if you don't, that's okay. But he says the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. How can something invisible be clearly seen? Because you see what it is more than what it is. I think it was Plato that said some several hundred years before Christ, not a believer in God in any way, but he said this, we live in the shadow of reality, the real world is in the unseen realm. Isn't it weird that people that aren't even born again realize there's more to life than meets the eye? Now it says that we were dead in our trespasses. Why is that? Because when we have broken fellowship with God, we can't move forward in what's going to last forever. So how then do I do that? Well, the Bible says we must be born again. It's not like white sidewall tires on your new car, or do I want a, you know, an iPod with my radio? It's not an option. We must be born again. Now, how do I do that? This is what Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3 about. And he said, well, what do I got to do? Get back in my mom? I can just see him scratching his head over what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said, No, just as you had a natural birth, the water broke and out comes baby, there's a spiritual birth you need to have. Well, that spiritual birth is when we recognize we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, remember this, your past can paralyze you. Remember that. A lot of people have said, well, I fell in love once and I got burned and I'm never going to love again. Well, I went and got in a car wreck, and I'm never going to drive. You know, I I got in a car wreck when I was 16 years old. 
My face had an argument with the steering wheel, and the steering wheel won. That's why I have a kind of a goofy nose. It's because my face hit the steering wheel. Well, I remember distinctly as I looked at my car smash, blood's running down my face, I'm never going to drive again. And I got to thinking about how I was going to get around, and I had all these different ideas and all these kind of things, because I had a bad experience. Our bad experiences in our life can paralyze us from going forward. And so this is one of the reasons why and when we have communion here, it's so important because the Bible says that the blood reminds us of what Jesus did for us, that we're valuable to God. But Paul, or excuse me, Peter tells us in, in the book of Peter, by his stripes we're healed. I need to be healed of my memories. I need to be healed so I would take a chance again and I'll say, okay, God. Well, that's the problem. When we're dead in our trespasses, that means we're paralyzed. The Bible tells us that God forgives our past. Now, here's one of the problems. Can you forgive your past? Can I forgive my past? Well, as a Christian, if I don't remind myself of what Jesus did for me, I can live as a Christian and hold on to my past. Your past will never help you. Jesus said, if you keep looking back when you're plowing, you're not going to get the job done. You're going to plow crooked. You have to look straight ahead when you're doing that. When we look forward, we look at a risen Savior. When we look back, we look at the cross. For this reason, Christ died. Now, if you can resolve that in your heart and remember that and be reminded of that, that what happened yesterday doesn't matter it's what happens today in Christ that's important. That's why, the, why David in the Psalms said his promises are new every morning. Why is that? You need to be refreshed. You need to be renewed. His promises are new every morning for you. But you don't understand how bad I messed up yesterday or the week before or in my life. Okay, I got a question for you. Great question. Yeah, pretty serious stuff. But my question is this. Is God bigger than the things you've done wrong? Well, yeah. Do you trust him for eternal life? Now, that's pretty big. When I die, I trust God to take me to heaven, okay? That's pretty big. So can I trust him to be bigger than my mistakes in my life? Yeah. Why does the Bible say, knowing this, all things work together for good to those that know and love God that are called according to his purpose. Why does it say that? Because first of all, the Bible says something really strange. It says where sin abounds, that much more grace abounds. Now, should we go out and sin so we have abounding grace? No, but here's what the Bible's saying. God is bigger than the things you've done wrong, and God can take those things you've done wrong and make them for his good. Only God can do that. See, this is one of the things that we're religions lack. They'll, they'll, all, they'll all tell you how to go get right with God. Go say so many prayers. Go feel so many beads. Go to service so many times. Burn so many incense sticks. Recite so many mantras. And you just might get on the good side of God. Maybe. Jesus put us on the good side of God. That, that's great news. 
But then the Bible goes one step beyond all the religions of the world and says, now, even the bad things that happen in your life, God's going to turn around and make them good. Only God's the great restorer. Only God's the great healer. And whether you're looking at Samson after he got his eyes put out, after he fell in love with a Philistine woman and she called in the guys and said, hey, he told me a secret, cut his hair off, cut his hair off. Oh, by the way, you can always get, that's a, that's a good lure in dad's tackle box. Because you always ask people, who cut off Samson's hair? Everybody says Delilah. No, Delilah did not cut off Samson's hair. It says when, she told, when he told her his secret, he fell asleep and she called for the men who came in and cut his hair off. He got up as he did before, didn't know the Spirit of God had left him, and he was as weak as any other man, and the Bible says he was captured. They blinded him, they put him, and walking around and around and around and around, grinding grain like an oxen would do. But um, Samson's hair began to grow. And the more it grew, the stronger he got. And we remember that Samson got another chance. You never let anyone deprive you of the righteousness of God by your past. Whether it's you yourself or somebody else. Well, your past has disqualified you. You know, the only thing that your past will do is paralyze you from going forward. His promises are new every morning. And either they are or they're not. And if they're not, we really shouldn't even be here. If there's no hope, let's all go someplace else. But what God's word says is true. His hope, his promises are new every morning. Hey, friends. Samson's hair grew again. His strength came back. We see David. In fact, we look in the Old Testament, which is replete with people who love God that failed and came back. And you know, failure is one of the main reasons today in my sharing with people why they don't accept Christ as their Savior. Because I might fail. Let me tell you, honey, you will. That's just the way it is. But that doesn't mean that God isn't bigger than our faith. And to me, that is why being dead in our trespasses will paralyze you unless you realize, well, let's read. Verse 14. Well, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses, made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This is why Jesus died. I like that. He took it all. He said, it is finished. It isn't, it's almost finished. It's finished. Why is that important? Because every day is new. Every day is new. You have hope. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. 
On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.